Welcome to the Refresh and Restore Weekly Devotion, brought to you by JustKeithHarris.com. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you are refreshed and restored through our Bible study today. Welcome to this week's Refresh and Restore podcast where we're walking through the book of Colossians at how Jesus is over all. This week, and actually for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. And here's what the Word says. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to God the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Greetings, sojourners. I'm excited to dive further into Colossians with you today. Let's remind ourselves of the context of this letter. We've got the author, Paul, the recipients of the letter, the churches at Colossae and Laodicea, and some of the history and purpose. But today we're going to see what motivated Paul to write this letter to them. The passage that we just listened to is going to be our passage over the next few weeks so that we can keep our study in the correct context. This is important because it's easy to forget that the individual verses and sentences are part of the paragraphs and sections and chapters, and in this case, whole letters or books of the Bible. It's also important because there's a lot that can be mined from this section that we still need as individuals and especially as the church today. The verses in this section are a prayer of thanksgiving from Paul to God on behalf of and because of the church at Colossae. So it might help you to see it broken down just a little bit. 
In verses 3 through 8, we'll see that Paul thanks God often for what he's heard about the church at Colossae, their faith in Christ, their love for each other, and the hope that they found in him because of the gospel that's bearing fruit in their midst. In verses 9 through 12, we'll see that Paul prays specifically for their continued growth in the knowledge of God and walking with him so they can continue the work of the gospel. Then in verses 13 and 14, we see that Paul reminds them that the gospel that they have believed is the basis for their faith in Christ and the basis for his prayer for them, both of which are enough to combat the false teaching they're encountering. Today, we're going to focus on verses 3 through 8. Thanksgiving for the work of the gospel in the Colossians. I mentioned in the last devotion that one of the things I love the most about Paul's letter here to the church at Colossae is how relatable it is to churches today. This church was planted by a regular everyday guy named Epaphras who cared enough about the people in his town that he shared the gospel with them. This is also important because it reiterates God's design for the spread of the gospel for all who are saved to do what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2.9 to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The gospel is spread through us sharing it. In 2 Corinthians 5, we see the Holy Spirit through Paul telling us that we are ambassadors to Christ and that God makes his gospel appeal through us to implore people on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Epaphras did that. He was God's ambassador, and now Paul writes to the embassy, the church that God planted there, regarding how thankful he is to God for the work that was done. Paul prayed for the Colossian church often, which is cool, but what strikes me even more is why Paul said is the what Paul said is the reason he's thankful for them in this prayer. He's thankful for their faith, their love, and their hope. And so we're going to look at these one by one. First, let's look at their faith. He tells them that he's been praying for them since he and those with him heard of those at Colossae's faith in Christ Jesus in verse 4. This is important because it's the basis of what a church is and what it isn't. This is not a group of like-minded people who decided to start a social religious organization. It's not a group of people who share moral values, who want to reform their community to a certain set of standards in living and behavior. No, this is a group of people who were formerly dead in the trespasses and sins in which they once walked, who God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, made them alive together with Christ. They were the local body of Christ. They were his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that they should walk in them. Paul's rejoicing that people had been saved from their sins by putting their faith in Jesus Christ alone. That same faith should be a pillar in our churches today. Now let's move from faith to love. 
Paul was also thankful for, as he says in verse 4, the love that they had for all the saints. We may think that this is an amazing attribute to be seen in a church today, but Paul mentioning it here shows that this is something accomplished by God's Spirit in churches, not in the ability of people to tolerate others or be polite to others. Love is part of the fruit of God's Spirit dwelling inside of you. This love occurs because of the love that God showed us in Christ Jesus, and the Bible teaches that it's supposed to be a hallmark of a genuine church. It's such a big deal that the Holy Spirit had John write that if someone had hatred for a brother in Christ while professing to love Jesus, that that person's a liar. It says that in 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21. Just as Paul saw the faith of the Colossian church and thanked God for it, he recognized the love that he had heard about. You've got to remember, Paul hadn't been to Colossae to see this in person. Love and faith and hope, this was their reputation. And he thanked God for that fruit, for that evidence of their faith. We've looked at faith, love, now let's move to their hope. Just as their love flowed out of their faith, the hope that the Colossians had did too. Their hope was laid up for them in heaven, is how it says it in verse 5. This may seem like a moot point, but I think we need to be reminded that Jesus is the prize, not heaven. In fact, he's the reason heaven is worth having. The Colossians came to faith in Christ not to escape hell. They loved one another because they had been loved well. Their hope was found in trusting that the object of their faith had prepared a place for them, like Jesus said in John 14, verses 2 and 3. Their hope was that living hope that the Holy Spirit wrote of through Peter in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, that the Holy Spirit said was rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for them and us, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. To truly have hope in Christ that impacts now and echoes into eternity is something to be thankful for. Thanksgiving for the work of the gospel around the world. Paul's next area of gratitude is that the word of truth, the gospel, is bearing fruit and increasing. He says that in verses 5 and 6. Now, I know that we have looked at what the gospel is many times in these devotions, but we should never tire of hearing it or think that we've grown past it. Rather than trying to sum it up myself, I would rather point to a passage that sums it up very well. After all, the Bible describes itself as the word of truth and as a basis for our hope in Psalm 119.43. So for us to look at the gospel, to kind of define it for us in today's devotion, I think 1 Corinthians 15.3 and 4 does it best for us today. Here's what it says. For I delivered unto you as of first importance, what I also received, 
that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That's good news. That's the gospel. That message has power because Jesus is alive. For 2,000 years, people have been proclaiming this gospel, proclaiming this good news that Jesus died to save people from their sins and rose again. I believe that was particularly good news for Paul to hear about, that the gospel was working through others because he was nearing the end of his life. But the end of his life was not going to be some lengthy retirement where he's reaping the benefits of his 401k. No, Paul was in chains in the Mamertine prison in ancient Rome awaiting execution for preaching the gospel. Paul was encouraged that the gospel was still being preached. He was thankful to hear of the faith, the love, the hope that it was still producing, that it's still producing today. Paul has now been dead for the majority of those 2,000 years, but the gospel is still bearing fruit and increasing, just like it says in Colossians 1.6. And it's still working because God's Spirit is still working. It's his power that moves on the hearts of men and women who hear the word preached and is still bearing fruit and increasing long after Paul's death and then after Epaphras' death. In fact, if Jesus tarries, it'll bear fruit and continue to increase after my death and yours. Good news is the gospel isn't dependent on the men and women who can die. It's dependent on Jesus. And he's still alive. Thanksgiving for the worker who took the gospel to them. At the time that Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians, apparently Epaphras was with him. I love the descriptions that Paul gives of Epaphras having shared with him about the Colossian church. This proud pastor didn't boast of numbers or programs, but of faith, love, and hope. He didn't brag on accomplishments, but of how people were hearing and understanding the grace of God and truth. This is refreshing. Paul isn't jealous that Epaphras planted the church instead of him. Epaphras is not seeking recognition. They're both celebrating together what God is doing through his gospel and in the power of his spirit. This is the same sort of spirit that John the Baptist displayed when Jesus came, which effectively ended his ministry. Listen to what he said in John chapter 3, verse 30. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Remember how I said earlier and last time that I loved how a regular, everyday guy brought the gospel to Colossae? Look at how Paul describes him here. Paul called him a fellow servant, That's the Greek word syndulos, which is basically honoring Epaphras by saying that he was of the same service as a bondservant of Jesus that Paul was. Epaphras surely would have never described himself as such, but Paul did. 
Paul recognized the love that Epaphras had for his flock as their faithful minister of Christ on their behalf. Reflecting and closing. It's my prayer that at least some of what we've looked at today has caused you to think and to reflect on your own situation. But most of all, I pray that you find yourself reflecting on your relationship with Christ. Since this passage, which we'll continue covering in the coming weeks, is focusing on a prayer of thanksgiving, I want to close out with an opportunity for you to be able to pray too. Now, I'm I'm not going to write out a prayer for you to pray because I don't think we have to be eloquent prayers. In, In fact, I think one of the most eloquent prayers spoken in Scripture is in Jesus's parable talking about the publican and the tax collector where the tax collector prayed, have mercy on me, a sinner. So I want you to feel free to look at these points that I've got here to help you get started or guide you, but ultimately prayer is you talking to God. I don't want you to feel limited by only the things that I have listed. And so if you're thankful to God, he would love to hear from you. And so looking at this right here, if you've come to places that that talk about having faith in Christ or a relationship with him and you don't have a relationship, please don't hesitate to reach out. I would love to talk with you about that or help point you to someone where you live and help you learn more about it. If you've come to the part of the prayer guide that points you to pray for your church and you don't have one of those, I'd like to help you find one as well. I know there are still a lot of unknowns regarding this continual pandemic, but reaching back to God's call to us as ambassadors earlier, we can't do this work alone or without an embassy. So if you don't have a church home, I would love to help you find one. If you've not been back with your church family in a while, I pray that they will welcome you back with open arms and the love that we saw in the church at Colossae. Here's our God. Thanksgiving for the gospel in your life. You could thank God for getting to hear the gospel and come to faith in him. Thank God for loving you and giving his life for you. Thank God for the hope of eternity with him. Next, we move on to thanksgiving for the gospel in your church. Thank God for getting to have a faith family. Thank God for the way the gospel worked in building your local church, your local embassy for ambassadors in Christ. Thank God for the opportunity to be part of his kingdom work. Thank God for your pastor, like Paul thanked God for Epaphras. Finally, thanksgiving for the gospel in your world. Thank God for the opportunity to get to be an Epaphras, a regular everyday person with the best news anyone could hear. Thank God that his gospel is still bearing fruit and increasing around the world. 
and thank God for those involved in preaching that gospel and pray for people who have yet to hear to have the opportunity to come to faith in Christ. Hallelujah and amen. We thank you again for listening. You can find the written copy of this devotion, complete with links to the scripture passages that were cited throughout, on our website, justkeithharris.com, as well as other writings, projects, and Bible studies. Refresh and Restore is based out of Peter and John's sermon in Acts 3 and 4, specifically Acts chapter 4, verses 19 through 21, where Peter says, Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture passages are cited from the English Standard Version. JustKeithHarris.com is affiliated with Christ Community Church in Grenada, Mississippi. And if you would like to contact us, you may do so through our website.